1: welcome into daily face off live your go-to source for everything hockey live every weekday at noon Eastern
0: Thursday October 5th welcome into daily face off live I'm Tyler Rumcheck he is our daily face-off hockey insider Frank Saravali hashtag ring the bell Frankie how you doing
2: I'm good another electric Phillies game uh on to the NLDS wait I- uh-
0: are, are the Braves or are the Jays moving on or no? Damn it, Frank. Sorry. I, you promised me you wouldn't ask. You promised me. I just, I just, I didn't, I don't, I didn't make any promises. Before. Yeah, it's, uh, That was a tough one here, but it is the best time of year on uh, the sporting calendar because not only playoff baseball, NBA is coming, NFL is going, hockey is going, and you get the NHL Board of Governors meeting, which I know always gets the people fired up. Uh, Let's get rolling with today's show through two minutes and 30 seconds up and start with a little Board of Governors notebook. Frank, the one thing that was kind of making the most headlines were when Gary Bettman said preliminary projections have the salary cap going up to 87 to $88 million. Not exactly surprising, though, but still somewhat significant news.
2: Yeah, I think more just formulaic than anything else at this point, because we know that once the debt from players to owners is paid off, uh, according to the MOU, the salary cap is scheduled to rise 5%, which 83.5% plus 5% gets you to 876 which is kind of right in the middle of where exactly Gary Bettman said it would be a very, very preliminary projection and sounds good to teams. I'm sure after living in this flat frozen salary cap landscape for the last number of years, since the pandemic started that that's welcome news. Um, But keep in mind that the salary cap is always subject to negotiation. So it could be higher. You can do whatever you want with it after this, as long as the NHL and NHLPA agree.
0: Yeah, I'm, there are a bunch of teams who are sitting there and probably just itching, hoping this thing continues to climb, and a bunch of players as well. I think, you know, it's about time we started moving this thing in the right direction. Uh, perhaps what was more interesting than that, in terms of coming out of left field a little bit, is the talk about expansion. Frank Gary Bettman had some interesting things to say. We keep Hearing these like weird rumblings about Atlanta potentially being a spot. But what did the commissioner have to say about potentially going up to 34 teams?
2: Yeah, I think the best way to explain it is that he certainly didn't pour cold water on the idea of the NHL expanding. And so if you read between the lines of what he said, you don't really have to like squint all that hard to see that it's certainly possible that the NHL expands to 33 or 34 teams in the not so distant future. There's a few reasons for that. I think what's holding the NHL back is the perfect situation hasn't presented itself, whether it's market size in Quebec city or having a proper NHL ready arena in Salt Lake city, or the arena, not even being built yet in Atlanta, Gary Bettman reiterated on Wednesday that, you kind of have to check all of the boxes. You need to have the right market, the right owner, the right arena, all those things. And if one of those places were to be come along and, and be a mostly baked or completely baked product, he said, then I will take it to the Board of Governors and see whether we want to expand or not. That's a long way off from saying we're not expanding or that's not something we're even contemplating. Obviously, with the skyrocketing value of franchises, the Ottawa Senators, selling for $950 million five years ago, viewed as one of the bottom five least valuable teams in the NHL. That expansion fee suddenly has gone from $500 million for Vegas, 650 for Seattle, to a number that starts with a B, as in billion, for the next expansion fee. And who says no at that point?
0: Who's got that kind of money?
2: Well, it's not that. I mean, there, apparently there's plenty of people in the world yeah. that have that kind of coin or can get enough partners to. It's the NHL's not saying no. They can expand their footprint into another market. The players aren't saying no. They get between thirty and sixty new jobs that are high paying. Uh, the TV partners get a new eyeballs. Uh, More people in the mix. They're not saying no. And oh, by the way, the other 30 or 32 NHL owners that already have a seat at the table for each new team, we will stroke you a check of at least $30 million.
0: Not bad. Um,
2: All I'm saying is don't know when, don't know where, but probably at some point in the very, not very near future, but the near future.
0: We're running a little long here, but are we not watering down the product a little bit too much at that point?
2: Fair question. I think that's a very legitimate question and something that as you've gone from 30 to 32, I think is a real, real big thing.
0: Uh, And just quickly, one other thing. I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but it sounds like Vegas is getting the awards in the draft, right? Not
2: officially announced. They, the league said they're getting closer. I don't think they've focused on any other city other than Vegas. So it sounds like that is the destination for 2024 awards and draft
0: media members and management folk applaud the decision to go from Nashville. I to don't. Oh no, you don't.
2: All right, dude, do you have you been to Vegas in the dead nuts of summer?
0: Okay. That's fair.
2: 44 <laughs> degrees, uh, 117 Fahrenheit, which is what it was during the cup final one year. I was nauseous the entire time I was there. I mean, that might say something more about my overall health, but yeah,
0: yeah okay that is a good point uh let's continue along here and get into some more season previews the theme of today's show frank and we'll take people behind the curtain a little bit you and i both do these shows from our basements so it's fitting that today is the bottom basement dwelling edition of our season previews we're going to talk my about my
2: mom's our- basement my own basement just so yeah, me too.
0: i would like to be clear on that i feel like people would have <laughs> more questions about the, the young 25 year old in that situation it is my own basement um but we'll uh, we'll talk with john goins in a bit about the Habs. they were a basement dweller last year but Let's dig into the Central Division and the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes, the two teams who finished at the bottom. I think with Chicago, obviously a ton of excitement. It's the Connor Bedard era, but a lot has been made about his lack of supporting cast, if we're being honest. Is that a legit concern, Frank, or is that maybe getting overblown? Do you like what Kyle Davidson's done?
2: Yeah, it's not a concern for me because Taylor Hall, when you have him in your lineup and not only just the skill, but also the wherewithal of having been the number one overall pick. Connor McDavid knows how much that meant to him to have Taylor Hall around. Uh, I think they've got enough pieces that they could move around, um, whether it is the fantasy or whoever it might be. Taylor Radish had a strong close to last year. That There's enough help that you can find somewhere for Connor Bedard to have some proper support. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to have to do heavy lifting? Yes. But I'm expecting big big things from Connor Bedard and I think that when this season, this next season is over, the Hawks are going to have players lining up at the United Center to try and play there and play with Connor Bedard. You're going to see the same thing on steroids as Connor McDavid in Edmonton, mostly just because Chicago is not Edmonton
0: yeah and that's totally fair as a guy from edmonton i can totally see where you're coming from there i take zero offense to that frank on the other side of this conversation i love edmonton yeah i do too on the other side of this conversation is the arizona coyotes the logan cooley (laughs) era is beginning and i mean for a while almost didn't yeah i was gonna say for a while there it felt like it may never happen but logan cooley has arrived he was putting up sweet highlights during the games in australia but I like what they did this summer. They added Dursey and Dumba, got themselves a pair of legit NHL defensemen. I like Carol Vamalka between the pipes. They still got talent there. And I mean, look, you just look at the list on the left here. They added a lot of legitimate NHL players. And I would say their problem a year ago is that they didn't have enough of that I think they're a team that's going to take a bit of a leap, a bit of a step forward this year. I don't think they come last or second last in the division. That's my bar for the Coyotes. Am I crazy for setting it there?
2: Not crazy, but I my question to you would be a leap. Yes, but how big of a leap? And I've seen people saying the Coyotes can be a playoff team this year. I'm like, sorry. I First off, I don't think more than three playoff teams come out of the Central anyway. And one of them certainly is not going to be the Coyotes. So I think when I look at that group, I think they've got a lot of really talented pieces. I'm a believer in the best nickname in the league in Veggie, in Net, Carol Vimelka. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I, obviously, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And I, I just think they're going to be better. And they also really competed under Andre Tournier. But that defense core... I'm not sold on Matt Dumba. There's a reason why he lingered as a free agent. I think the Sean Dursey trade was brilliant. But I think they've got some hope bets on defense, whether it's Dumba or Valamaki playing as well as he did last year, doing that again. Um, I just think it's a little thin. And that's going to be a pretty big hole to overcome. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the blue line is definitely a concern. Um, Yotes finish above the Hawks, though. Is that a lock?
2: Uh yeah, I think that's pretty yeah. fair. But who's um, the next? So if you don't think they finish last or second last, who's? Which team do you have them jumping? The Preds.
0: Yeah, the Preds, and I I wouldn't be surprised if things went sideways in Winnipeg this year.
2: Okay, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't. It's a pretty big drop off. You're yeah. talking like a fifteen to twenty point drop off.
0: Yeah, there was a 25 point difference between those two. So can the Yotes get 12 to 15 better and do the Jets? get I just think
2: Saros mm-hmm. is going to keep the the Preds out of so much trouble that just on his own, yep. like he could almost get them there himself to 80. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I would say that I still f- I think they're somewhere in that six, seven range.
0: Let's head out east, go to the Metropolitan Division. Yourself and Jason Greger this morning on a new episode of the DFO Rundown, which is out now, went through the whole division, previewed the whole thing. Let's just focus on the bottom two teams again. It's the Philadelphia Flyers and the Columbus Blue Jackets. For Columbus, there was legit optimism heading into this year. A full season of Zach Warensky. He's back and healthy. The youth movement up front with guys like Cylinder and Johnson and now Adam Fantilli as well. That quickly got overshadowed by the drama surrounding Mike Babcock. Can the Blue Jackets overcome that drama? And with clear heads, can they take a step forward and, you know, crack the 70-point 70, 70 mark? Is that is that a good expectation here in Columbus? I mean, that
2: should be the bar, the low, the minimum. Yeah. If they don't clear 70, like, heads yeah. should be rolling. And, in fact, I made the point a week or 10 days ago that they should be rolling already getting this coaching hire so wrong when it needed to go so right. But that's obviously a story for another day. Will this Blue Jackets team be better? They should be. And the most exciting part about looking at this Blue Jackets core, if you throw the D pairs up again, is that doesn't include two of their young guys that are really, really good. Denton Matejchuk and uh, David Yuricek. So They've improved in a significant way on the back end. You mentioned a healthy Rwenski, but Severson and Provorov should really boost that group. And I already like their forward group. I think they need to find a way to score more, Um, but Fantilli should help, you know, go through the list. Um, There should be much better. And does the coaching part matter? I would think in an odd way, it's probably helpful. Don't you think that every Blue Jackets player walked in the first day of training camp was like, Oh, we just dodged a serious bullet. You mean we don't have to play for Mike Babcock this year. They're probably thrilled and energized. And I think Pascal Vincent is a damn good coach that can stand on his own two feet anyway.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's maybe the best thing for them in the long run. That forward group has a ton of talent there. The blue line's better. Similar to the Coyotes, I think there's going to be a big step forward for Columbus. There's hope for Blue Jackets fans and the fifth liners this year. In Philly, Frank, there's no hope, right? Like Atkinson, Katuria coming back. Good story, but what are you getting out of them? And I don't don't even know if this management group is necessarily trying to be bad, Frank. They just have a very bad roster.
2: They do, but here's the disappointing part for the Flyers. I know that they said goodbye to Kevin Hayes and Provorov and um, they, you know, Tony D'Angelo, of course, but they're probably going to be better than they want to. And that is what makes this part really tough. And I mentioned this on the DFO rundown is this is going to sound bad, but I actually mean it as a compliment in that. I think I still firmly believe John Tortorella is the worst coach for the Flyers and where they're at and that's because he's actually good and he squeezes every drop out of his his teams and that they compete and they work and and all those you know quote new era of orange things that the flyers are trying to do the lunch pail mentality is great except you don't want to be grinding out points and wins with this team you want to try and get to the bottom they're not tanking they're not trying to lose the problem for the flyers is that getting Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson back is probably going to make them a little bit better. And I see them somewhere in the 80 to 84 point range where they'd probably rather be South of where they were last year. And so Carter Hart is going to cover up a lot of those problems that they have. That's a tough, you know, they're in a, they're in a tough spot because they don't want to actively be losing. But the key to some of the success of some other teams that we've seen rebuilding is that they don't tell their GM or coach or players to lose. They just take away all the pieces so that you can't win. And the ceiling is only so high. And that's kind of the spot that I see the flyers in is like better than their own good.
0: And it's unfortunate because that can just leave you middling for a long, long time. And you're never going to actually get to a point where you can become a cup contender. You're just going to keep pushing off the inevitable. Your rebuild is just, instead of starting now, it's just going to start in five years when You try to do it half-ass right now, and you miss on it.
2: And that's... I don't think they're doing it half-ass at all. But I think this year, you want to try and get a top-three pick. Maybe they can get there. But each year you don't, you're kind of just making things a little bit harder on yourself. Unless you can somehow have Matt Vay mitchkoff fall to you at seven.
0: Mm they should just be trying to build things up for whenever he can eventually get here. Cause can you they imagine have, if you rebuilt well for two that years? That is the plan. Yeah. And then when Mitch Cobb shows up, you got him on an ELC for three years as like that's twenty year old. That's
2: the plan is that when he gets here is when you begin to start building. Yeah. But you need more teardown in between now and then you need some demo work.
1: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too.
4: Let's get
0: to, before we get to the Habs and John Goyens, let's get to a little bit of news we got yesterday. Unfortunate with Josh Norris. The shoulder was an issue all of last year, eventually leads to surgery. And I mean, eight months later, Frank, this guy's still dealing with setbacks. There's kind of two angles to this. There's the team. And then there's also just Josh Norris, the player. This is a guy, $7.9 million for a lot of years still and he can't seem to stay healthy. It's got to be worrisome at this point that a young player like this is going through su- such significant injuries.
2: Yeah, if you were to ask me on a scale of 1 to 10, what's my level of concern for Josh Norris, the player? It's a 9. Uh, We heard about the sort of setback, and just take a look at this graphic. The number of games that he's missed with shoulder injuries, um, it's it's a big deal and it stretches back a long time in his career that um, as we wait for this graphic to pop up is it's, it's been a while. Like you, you need more um, stability at that. It's such a critical body part to, to be able to be a successful player. So he's got a long history of, of having these shoulder ailments and the fact that, you know, you mentioned the team part of it. So we'll transition to that in an odd way, depending on how long he's out. And there seemed to be some hope that he gets in a preseason game. Will he not? Um, it kind of opens the door if he's going to miss time, LTIR-wise, to sign Shane Pinto, which would make life really easy. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. uh, punt the, the decision. I, c- I couldn't stop myself from sneezing. <laughs> punt the decision down the road a little bit on Matthew Joseph and, and try and figure all that out later so in an odd way um everyone's hurt here the player you're concerned for him the team because if pinto isn't signed you're really thin down the middle now you are counting on naris and probably pinto and so it's a um, it's a tough spot to be in but could provide a, an opening to at least maybe kind of get pinto done
0: Yeah. So again, it it would be a Band-Aid solution to throw Norris on LTIR and then be able to sign Pinto because, I mean, you're just going to be playing the waiting game and then having to eventually dump salary down the road. So not perfect, but at least there could be a bit of a right side. It's not even the right way to put it, but. A bit of good news to come along with this for Sens and maybe they get to see Shane Pinto in the opening day lineup if there is no Josh Norris. Uh, let's stay in Canada and kick off this season's run of The Coach's Room with John Goyens. The Coach's Room is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca Playoff Baseball NFL Football Thursday night or tonight. And yes, regular season NHL hockey just around the corner. You can find it all at patano.ca. This is the season debut of the Coaches Room. Very excited to welcome John Goyens back to the program and John Goyens, you are now a media guy. You're going to be working with TSN 690 on the Habs and Rocket broadcast as a color analyst. You fired up to really dig into the media side of things?
4: Uh, I'm fired up just to, just to be in a pro rink, pro setting on a daily basis, whether it be morning skates, practices, games at both the American Hockey League and the NHL level and And especially getting a real feel for one organization from top to bottom and and their depth chart and, and so on. And I think it's just going to be an awesome time.
0: So you're going to be sinking your teeth into the Montreal Canadiens this year. You're going to be stopping by with us every week to not just talk halves, but to do some film breakdowns from around the league like we've done in the past. But let's zero in on the Montreal Canadiens here. You've just heard us talking for the last few segments about how some teams who finish near the bottom of the standings will be looking to improve. How would you measure an improved season for the Canadians this year?
4: Well, it's going to start in special teams, to be honest. I mean, health health is the easy one, right? They had 751 man games lost due to injury, and I believe that was a record. Um, and those are things that you can control to an extent but really can't overall. Uh, it's going to be on special teams. It's already been a bit of a, a boo-fest in the Bell Centre when the Habs are on the power play, and Alex Burroughs was even trending between periods on Saturday night because he's in charge of the power play in the preseason, in the preseason. So it's, and Martin St. Louis seems already frustrated with the amount of questions he's having to answer about the power play, but it's going to come on the special teams, both special teams, both the power play and the PK ranked near the bottom of the league at 29 and 29th. Um, So you got to improve the power play, you got to improve the penalty killing. Everybody seems to be very much focused on the power play and analytically, there's just a lot of holes right now, but overall, if they could bring both those areas closer to the middle of the pack, we'll see an overall improved team.
2: So the power play, as you mentioned, is, is really facing some pressure to improve. Can you break down for us, why it's not just necessarily a personnel issue that's been plaguing this team with, you know, the players that have missed a bunch of time over the last couple of years.
4: Right. You you see that, you know, there's these assumptions that your power play has to be in the top five or top 10 to make the playoffs. And, and, and in fact, in the top 16 power plays in the league this year, there were about five teams that didn't even make the playoffs. However, and, and, and in fact, there were two that were in the top 10. Um, However, their issue, you know, Caulfield's going to come back, that should help. You know, if Matheson helps us, QB1, that should help. However, analytically, they're in the bottom five when it comes to passes to the slot, shot attempts from the slot, inner slot shots on net, deflected goals, screenshots on net. So I'm actually, the way I look at it is who's going to be their net presence and net presence, you look around the league, Tavares, Ben, uh, Pavelski, who could pop out, deflect goals. They're in near the bottom of deflected goals as well. Who's going to be that player consistently who could recover pucks and alleviate the need to only score from one-timers or fake one-timers from, from Caulfield? So, John, you've been um,
2: coining phrases on our show for the last you know year plus. You had – the trap goal, any goal that uh, has a puck that slides through the trapezoid area behind the net. And it it was kind of fascinating to watch how much success has come through that area. But you seem to have found uh, an approximate goal total, something you're calling the magic 12, that if met, can bring some significant improved numbers across the board. Tell us what that means. What is the magic 12?
4: Give a coach enough time or too much time on his hands, he's going to come up (laughs) with some ridiculous Ridiculous uh, phrases or or, uh, acronyms. So the Magic 12 for me is on the power play, if they were 12 goals better this past season, that would have brought them from 38 to 50. That would have climbed their, their, that's one goal for every seven games approximately. One goal for every seven games. That would have brought their power play up into the 21% range. That gets them in the middle of the pack in the league it's the same thing on the pk you have 12 fewer goals against that climbs you up not as many points it would have brought you from 29 to 20th but now you're getting out of the basement in special teams and we all know whether it be as fans coaches players special teams need to build momentum not frustration and when you're near the bottom in both you're already going in carrying a bit of a weight of the world on your shoulders and if you are closer to the middle of the pack you're going in with a lot more confidence and those goal differentials will affect your overall goals for and goals against in the league okay so
2: real quick it sounds interesting only 12 goals we're talking about on both units over an entire 82 game season one word answer for you how many more points would that result in in the standings
4: so in the standings, that would That's climb not- them probably, probably no higher. I'll, I'll say ranking versus points. It would probably only get them between the 20 to 22 ranked team in the league. But that for a team that is looking to climb and improve over a long-term basis, not necessarily a short-term basis, would be a marked improvement.
0: All right. Gourmet Hockey on Twitter, and he will be an analyst with TSN 690 this year and with us every week on Daily Faceoff Live. Look forward to doing this throughout the season, John. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Moving along to our hashtag ask DFO inbox question, the YouTube chat buzzing today. If you're in there, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Got a couple here quickly for you. Frank, one comes in from J rock and they want to know what's the bare minimum expectation for the Ottawa senators this season for me. Like, is it not playoffs or bust? Like, is there really a path for this season to be a success if they don't make the playoffs?
2: No playoffs or bust. I, I, I'd say if you're talking bare minimum, it has to start with not sinking your season by November. Like you mm-hmm. can't turf things and go six, 12 and one like you did last year. Sorry. On a, like you don't have a chance to make the playoffs. So I guess the answer from the team perspective would probably be playing meaningful games in the last week of the year. But I like, if you're getting that close, you got to get in. So this has been a steady rebuild. The fact that the Sabres last year were north of where the Sens want, you know, were and wanted to be, they've got their work cut out for them uh, because it's a crowded, crowded division.
0: Joanne wants to know about the New York Rangers and if they did enough to take a step towards an elite team. We covered them a little yesterday. Yourself and Gregor covered them in depth on the DFO rundown today. So again, people can look for that wherever they get their podcast from. But are you thumbs up or thumbs down on that?
2: I like the Rangers. I have them just outside of my cup contender category. So elite, probably not there yet.
0: Let's move along to our Botano daily bets. The game starts now. Botano.ca 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Frank, we talked about the Arizona Coyotes. You know I'm a little bullish on them. So I got a couple of picks here that are season-long bets on the Coyotes. Can they get more points than the Philadelphia Flyers? And can they go over 74 and a half points the minus 133 payout is not great on that over 74 and a half but granted it is the safer play of the two because the flyers could maybe sneak their way to that 80 point mark again but i like both these spots frank i am bullish on the arizona coyotes heading into this season i think the books are undervaluing them a little bit am i crazy
2: no i agree with you and i think even minus 133 is fine there um it's only they a five-point yeah. improvement from last year's seventy, and I think they're there. Um, I would probably tend to lay off of the Coyotes Flyers part, like I said, because they just torts seem to squeeze every dropout, and that's a good thing. But for this year, for the Flyers, a bad thing.
0: Seventy-five points for the Flyers last year. I just I have a hard time believing they're going to be better which is why I think if the Yotes can improve by six to eight, they should clear the Philadelphia Flyers in that race. But some of the and many... And the Flyers inter- would
2: be happy, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> some of the many interesting props up at Botano. Frank, let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. And you are going to give us a take on a phew, not great, pretty ugly story out of the WHL.
2: Yeah, I mean, garbage time. Speaking of garbage, that would be Kevin Constantine mm-hmm. and being given an opportunity to continue to work Uh, in hockey, let alone to mold and shape bright young teenage hockey players in the WHL. Uh, Suspended indefinitely as head coach of the Wenatchee Wild by the Dub on Wednesday evening for uh, racial commentary. And just first off, there's no place in the game for that. Second, for someone that has been around, been an NHL head coach, why? Like, they're like have some professionalism, have some class. If you want to go back to junior hockey and, and coach players, great. Be a role model, be a leader, be a mentor, not that hard. And he hasn't been able to display that. It seems like this has been something that's been following him throughout his career and different stops. You start to hear different things. And I think it's time at this point, after this latest allegation and the investigation by the dub, just throw them in the emoji of what we have here for this segment in the garbage can. We'll see you later.
0: The rest of the hockey world seems to really want to try to be a little bit more progressive and open. And the WHL over the last month has seemed to just kind of go, ah, we're good. Good where yeah. we are. We hey, are. Bill we're Peters, to come home. to Lethbridge. It's just ridiculous, man. Like, they. Like... There are so many qualified coaches in North America. Yeah, Hell, we just had one on our show. You mean
2: to tell me that one young coach somewhere that's an up-and-comer and and smart and hardworking and doesn't have any of this BS that comes with him, you can't find one somewhere?
0: Get out of here. Lazy. All right, that's a wrap on today's edition of the show. We will be back tomorrow with some fantasy hockey talk and more season previews. Big shout out to everyone in the YouTube and our boy John Goins. Frank, you enjoy your Thursday night. We'll chat again tomorrow, noon Eastern.
3: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.
0: Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight